Hello, and welcome back for another episode of the Strange Matters Podcast. Here at Strange Matters, we discuss anything just outside the norm, ranging from bizarre and unexplained to the supernatural and paranormal and everything in between. I'm your host for today, Eric, joined by my fellow co-host, Sean. For this episode, we'll be continuing our series on cryptozoology, or the study of animals whose existence is still unproven. Uh, and we're going to be discussing several infamous and mysterious humanoid creatures. And by humanoid, we mean any beast that stands mostly upright on its legs, has opposable thumbs, and just generally has a basic figure of a human being. Now, I'm sure everyone is somewhat familiar with the legend of Bigfoot, so whose description fits this criteria pretty well. So we've had a few people suggest we do episodes on a number of these kind of cryptids, so instead of doing individual episodes, we are going to do a combined episode in which we'll be discussing several of the more interesting cases. Now, most people probably think either hoax or myth anytime one of these creatures like Bigfoot is brought up. I'm sure everyone has seen supposed footage or pictures of Bigfoot or other similar cryptids, and pretty much all have been debunked or looked staged or photoshopped in some manner. However, I don't think that these claims of sightings of humanoid animals could be outright considered to be totally made up. The fact that there are supposed sightings and encounters with these similar creatures that have been happening for hundreds of years and taking places all over the world kind of suggests to me that there could be some level of credibility to this concept. True. On the other hand, people have also been making up myths and stories to tell kids since basically the beginning of time. Um, so, I mean, as, as far as campfire stories or legends that were passed from place to place, I think it's not too far of a stretch for anyone to come up with a tale of a huge human-like beast that hides in the woods or mountains. Uh, I will say, though, that even in this modern age, we are, are still discovering new species every day. I mean, even in the most recent years, we have found new mammals, you know, large animals, too, like different types of monkeys, sloths, and deer. So, I mean, scientifically, it's not impossible that there could be some type of human-like creature out there you know, hiding from us. I'll remind listeners what I said in our very first discussion of cryptozoology, which was back in episode two, is that up until 200 years, the Western gorilla was considered by the civilized world to be merely a myth. That's right. So for this discussion, we will be presenting a number of these so-called humanoid cryptids hailing from all over the world, from the mountains of Central Asia to the swamps of the United States. With all that said, let's get right into it and start talking about our first legendary creature of the show. Alright, so the first humanoid cryptid that we'll be talking about is one of the more popular cryptids in the entire world, the Yeti. Also well known from its nickname, the Abominable Snowman. Uh, this creature is supposed to live in the Himalayan mountain regions in Nepal and Tibet. So the story and legend of the Yeti is... Actually, a couple of centuries old, as early as the 1800s, several explorers and naturalists heard tales from their guides who seemingly encountered these large bipedal creatures in areas of Nepal and Tibet. However, though they could not clearly identify the creatures, they thought the subject unquestioned to most likely be a large bear or possibly even a orangutan. Even then, the explorers heard tales of some kind of glacier being from the locals. Uh, you know, no one could produce any actual proof of such a beast. And most knowledge and sightings seem to come from secondhand sources also. Yeah, a lot of the lore of the Yeti coming before the 20th century is spotty. However, there are some more credible sightings that come later on. So the first well-known documented sighting came in 1925 when a Greek photographer and geologist named 
N A Timbazi supposedly spotted a mysterious creature while on a mountain trek in the Himalayan area. A few hundred yards away from his position, Timbazi saw a large bipedal creature. He would later write about his encounter, saying, Unquestionably, the figure in outline was exactly like a human being, walking upright and stopped occasionally to uproot or pull at some dwarf rhododendron bushes. It showed up dark against the snow, and as far as I could make out, wore no clothes. Tombazi and his group searched the area, finding footprints, but no sign of the creature. He could never be clear on what he did see, though his guides claimed it was some kind of mountain beast or demon. He thought it's possible it could have just been a wandering mountain hermit, though. Yeah, I mean, the problem with this sighting is that, I mean, yes, Tombazi and his group saw some humanoid-looking being, but it was, you know, two or three hundred yards away. So, I mean, at that distance, I don't see how you can make any clear identification of some kind of strange creature. You know, if it looks like a human from that distance, it probably is. Um, I don't think you can clearly identify it as some weird legendary creature. Um, I mean, there there is more credible evidence that was found later on, though. For example, in the 1950s, several British mountaineers took photographs of strange footprints that were found. So many scientists who examined the prints could not identify any known type of animal that would make those kind of tracks. So, on the other hand, others believe that there is a reasonable explanation for these prints, as they claimed it was merely the tracks of a bear or a monkey. And this explanation states that, you know, the sun started to melt and distort the snow around the footprints, you know, changing their overall shape. Opponents to this simple counter theory say that those animals travel on four limbs, whereas these tracks are obviously made by a biped, or something that travels on two legs. So some others could say it was just a hoax, but mountaineers claim otherwise, and they have a pretty good professional reputation and experience, so most believe that they didn't try to set this up at all. Yeah, I'd say, you know, these guys were professional mountaineers, and they've probably seen all kinds of animal tracks, and I would imagine that seeing something strange that kind of freaked them out would would be more legitimate. Yeah, exactly. Through the following decades into more modern times, there have been many more alleged sightings and other evidence found that believers say proves the Yeti's existence. There were several alleged scalps that were made from a Yeti. However, they were tested and, you know, one was found to be made from a Himalayan goat antelope type animal named a Saro. Uh, another scalp was examined and found that it was also not an actual scalp, but it was manufactured and the fur most likely belonged to something that could be found on the flank of a hoofed animal. So, I mean, they're finding these body parts that were, you know, they prayed around for years, but then later on when they were actually tested, you know, of course, it's not an actual Yeti, but something known to us. So, interestingly, one of the best pieces of evidence that we've come upon in our research of the Yeti was a sample of feces found by an American adventurer during a trip to research the creature. This poo-poo sample was tested and the analysis showed that it (laughs) contained an unknown parasite. (laughs) Parasite. Now, every animal has a unique set of bacteria in their stool samples. So the fact that this sample had an unknown bacteria could show that it came from a creature that has yet to be identified and tested. Whether that creature is a yeti is obviously still not confirmed, however. Yeah, so these are just a few of the sightings and pieces of evidence found over the years that people point to and claim that it shows that there's a possibility of the Yeti's existence. So, I mean, basically with all these 
humanoid cryptids like Yeti, Bigfoot, there are pretty much two main theories. Either they exist or they don't. Now, in this case, some anthropologists believe that the Yeti is merely a folklore that was created and used by the old tribes of the Himalaya to just teach basic fundamental stories to the children in the tribe. There's also a chance that people who are seeing a Yeti are actually just mistaking it for another rare animal. So a lot of scientists and mountaineers who are familiar with the legend believe that these Yeti sightings are really people just seeing other creatures, most likely either the Himalayan brown bear or Tibetan blue bear. Both of these bears are extremely rare in the mountains, and they also walk for some distance upright on just two feet, giving the famous bipedal tracks that some point to as proof of the Yeti's existence. Brian Sykes, a former genetics professor at Oxford, believes that the infamous Yeti could just be a hybrid between the brown bear and a polar bear. Whatever the case may be, any genetic testing done on supposed Yeti biological material gives results like nothing that could come from a, any kind of ape-man creature. So just from what we've gathered in our research, there really isn't any solid physical evidence of the Yeti's existence, and I don't find most of the encounters or sighting testimonies to be very credible, as most of them are just told like this speaker knows a guy who knows a guy who claims to have seen it. Just a whole lot of secondhand sightings. I mean, my final thoughts are that the Yeti is merely a myth, and that any alleged sightings of the creature are really people just either making something up, or they see another animal like a bear or a monkey, and then believing it's the Yeti just because of the legend surrounding the area and just the hype behind the Yeti. So, I mean, what do you think, Eric? What's your final thoughts? I, I have to take a stand against you, Sean. I mean, I don't think you can argue with solid evidence like this mysterious parasite found in some poo-poo. That's where we got the the brown theory. Exactly, exactly. And the other thing is that, you know, again, these, these kinds of sightings are taking place all over the world. So it, it lends a certain level of credence, in my opinion, that, you know, especially in the olden times, before the times of like um, the internet, people didn't have any motivation to make this stuff up. So I right. think whether whether or not it's the Yeti or some of the other humanoid creatures we're about to discuss, I think that to an extent these could possibly be true. Okay. I mean, I don't know if I believe in the Yeti, but I can see it being some kind of extremely rare animal or even some kind of like hybrid like creature that's pretty unique but i don't know about an actual humanoid ape like animal but being that said so that's our thoughts on the yeti and that wraps up for our first humanoid cryptid so we're going to move along to our second of the discussion the almas so the almas is a mongolian term that means wild man and this has been described as a bipedal humanoid creature standing before between five and six and a half feet tall and covered in brown hair. The Almas is generally considered to be more akin to wild people in appearance and habits more so than apes. So this is kind of in contrast to the Yeti of the Himalayas that we just discussed, where people typically consider it to be more ape than man. Right. A lot of anthropologists believe that there is a similarity between the Almas and a Neanderthal type creature this is kind of based on some of their facial features so the protruding brow the flat nose the weak chin so it's, it seems to kind of resemble a, a ancient neanderthal 
Evidence for the Alma's existence revolves primarily around alleged sightings and footprints that have been found, which is commonly the case with some of these humanoid creatures. Um, so I thought it kind of appropriate to discuss some of the personal accounts of these sightings. So in one of the earlier sightings from the 15th century, Hans Schlittberger, a prisoner of the Mogul Khan, tells of his claims to have seen an Almas. During his imprisonment, he wrote the following in his journal. And the mountains themselves live a wild people, who have nothing in common with other human beings. A pelt covers the entire body of these creatures. Only the hands and face are free of hair. They run around in the hills like animals and eat foliage and grass, whatever else they can find. The lord of the territory made Agiti a present of a couple of forest people, a man and woman, together with three untamed horses the size of asses and all sorts of other animals which are not found in German lands, which I cannot therefore put a name to. So it's interesting that these sightings date back before the times of, you know, social media and the internet, though it lends a certain level of credibility to the story given that they likely were not trying to just make up stories for publicity as many people do these days. So one of the most famous stories of the Almas tells of a wild woman named Zena who lived in an isolated mountain village in the Caucasus, which is a mountain region that separates Europe and Asia. So some people believe Zena was an Almas, however other evidence suggests that she was more human. So she was first captured in the mountains of the Caucasus in 1850. Initially, she was very violent towards her captors, but soon she became calm, docile, and kind of domesticated, and actually was kind of meshed into living with these human beings, and she um, began to assist them with simple like household chores. So Zanna, in the end, actually ended up mating with some of the humans and allegedly gave birth to multiple beings that were more along the lines of, of humans. However, Many of them died in early infancy. The father, meanwhile, gave away four of the surviving children to local families. Two of the boys, Zanda and Quit Ganaba, these were born in 1878 and 1884, respectively, and the two girls, Kadzanar and Gamasa Ganaba, they were born in 1880 and 1882. These children were assimilated into normal society, married, and ended up having families of their own. Zana herself died in 1890. Quit's skull is still around and was examined in the 1990s. It was said to be entirely modern, with no Neanderthal features at all. Another account by a Russian anthropologist described the skull as significantly different from the normal males from the surrounding area. In 2013, a professor from the University of Oxford proved that Xana's DNA was 100% sub-Saharan African, and some have suggested that she could have been a slave brought in by the Ottoman Empire. So, Professor Sykes, who is the same professor that we talked about in the Yeti discussion, raised some questions as to whether Xana could have been from a population of Africans who left the continent tens of thousands of years earlier as her son. So Quit's skull had some unique and archaic characteristics. Another case about the Almas is said to date from around 1941, shortly after the German invasion of the USSR. A, quote, wild man was captured somewhere in the Caucasus by a detachment of the Red Army. He appeared human, but was covered in fine, dark hair. When they took him back to their base and tried to interrogate the creature, 
he was unable to speak, and therefore they unfortunately ended up shooting him, thinking that he was some sort of German spy. And there are a lot of different versions of the story out there, however, it's hard to find solid evidence about this particular story. So, I don't know how you feel about the Almas Sean. I think the story of Xana and this creature, this wild man creature that's captured by the Russian Red Army, I think this lends a little bit more credibility, um, again, just because these were actual encounters that were confirmed to have happened. Right. And, you know, the part that detracts from this theory is that Xana's DNA was 100% sub-Saharan African. Um, however, when I first heard this story, she was described as being an extremely, you know, hairy, large, ape-like, bipedal creature that didn't appear entirely human. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if that's just exaggerations or something from the time, just if she looked different. Um, if they were just, you know, maybe racially motivated just to change their characteristics, which I know, I know many societies are guilty of that, but I don't know. I, I just, just the fact that the DNA wasn't some unknown creature or anything, that it was more human. I just think that they were, they might've been looked a lot different than the people in that region, but they were human nonetheless. So that pretty much summarizes some, some basic information about the almas now sean's gonna tell us about the skunk ape all right so the next humanoid cryptid is a another listener suggestion and it is the skunk ape so skunk apes reportedly reside mostly in the state of florida in the u.s preferring to stick near swamplands so as one might guess from the name the skunk ape gets its name due to the horrible smell that often surrounds the creature at least by the people who claim to have seen it. So what's interesting about the skunk ape is that there are actually two pretty clear photographs that have been taken of this creature. The pictures were taken by an anonymous woman who sent them into a Florida police station. She claims that this ape has entered her backyard several times and she thought it was an orangutan. In an excerpt from her letter to the police, she wrote about the encounter saying, I heard the orangutan walk off into the brushes. It had an awful smell and was making deep whoop noises. If you want to check out pictures of this skunk ape, we'll be sure to post them on our website. So I don't know, Sean, these pictures look pretty legitimate to me. I mean, I don't see how you could fake something like this. It's got really large, scary looking teeth. Its eyes are glowing red from the flash of the camera. Which is something that's got to be difficult to fake. To yeah. fake the actual reflection of the eyes. And then it just looks terrifying. It, it it resembles a gorilla, but it's clearly not a typical gorilla. Yeah, I, I would definitely suggest you know either checking our website or, or finding these pictures online. I mean, it is possible that it's a hoax, that it's some kind of uniform or a costume. I'll agree that it does look pretty legit. I mean, it does look like an actual creature. However, I've seen... During my research, people kind of compare it side by side. They clean the image up a little bit, and it does kind of look like a known primate, like an orangutan or something. So, I mean, it, it does it, it does look pretty freaky. Yeah. It's, I mean, the pictures are, are creepy. It's, you know, it's nighttime. This thing's hiding behind the bushes. But, I mean, if this is an actual animal and not just some guy in a suit, I think it's more likely maybe just an escaped 
primate from either a zoo or some guy let his exotic animal free and it was terrorizing the swamplands for a few years. I mean, it's definitely not an orangutan just based on the color and the facial features. I I don't see how it could be an orangutan um, unless there's something strange going on with the the photograph. But to me, it's pretty, pretty convincing. All right, so I guess I'll just wrap up with my final thoughts of the Skunk 8. So I think it's once again just a case of mistaken identity, as I've kind of alluded to. So I mean, sightings of this creature mainly happened in the 60s and 70s in just a few specific areas of Florida. So I think the most likely explanation was that just something like an escaped primate from a zoo or maybe just some weird-looking black bear that maybe just had something that made it look slightly different that made it stand out to people. Um, and people, you know, just saw a glimpse of this thing running through the woods and immediately thought of the infamous skunk ape that they were hearing about at the time uh, that was hiding out in that area. And, you know, I would assume that these animals, if they're, if it is some kind of escaped animal or just a bear or something, they probably get sprayed by skunks pretty commonly, I would assume, uh, or at least on occasion. So, I mean, I that would explain know. the god-awful smell that this thing has that all the people claim to that are associated with this creature. I mean, I suppose that's possible, but I don't think in the wild a skunk would have any real reason to spray a bear. I don't think anything really tries to eat a skunk usually, that's except true. for domesticated dogs that don't know any better. Um, so I don't know. I think I think the the smell definitely lends some extra credence to this particular creature. However, one thing in my opinion that kind of detracts from this story is the fact that the initial sightings took place in the 60s and 70s compared with the Yeti and the Almas and the Orang Pendek that we're about to discuss that have all been sighted for for centuries, basically. Right. And the skunk ape is kind of more of a recent occurrence. So no no historical documentation of this creature to our knowledge. So Yeah, I mean, that's why I think it's, if it is an actual animal, you know, whether it'd be some kind of escape primate that is probably only just one of them. And that's why, and maybe it was hiding, it was seen, but it was only seen, you know, just like you said, Eric, just for a few years in a in a pretty small area. So, I mean, that's a little too confined to be some kind of legendary creature, I think. And looking at these pictures, they're almost too perfect of pictures. I mean, the creature is in the same position. However, it's it's... It's postured upwards in the second photograph, but it hasn't moved. I mean, how would you get this close to the skunk ape and it not run away or you not get eaten? Right. Or have your arms torn off? I mean, so the woman in that letter, when she sent these photographs to the police, said that it had been coming to her backyard for a few days. So maybe she made a little hidey spot or was laying in wait. I mean, it does look like this, whatever it is, whatever this creature is, is looking right at her. So, like you said, that is a pretty pretty perfect photographic opportunity there, if it is legit. Definitely. Alright, so that wraps up the Skunk Ape. Just like Eric said, it's not as legendary as some of these other ones, but it's definitely well known, especially in the United States. Alright, so let's get to our fourth and final humanoid cryptid of the night, the Orang Pendek. So the Orang Pendek, which is Indonesian for short person, reportedly inhabits remote forests on the remote island of Sumatra, which is in western Indonesia. And it's described as a red-furred, bipedal ape-man. 
It has been cited numerous times over the last 100 years by locals and travelers who describe it as a somewhat attractive and elegant creature. However, there have been many expeditions that have turned up nothing more than footprints and hairs that are linked to no known creature. National Geographic actually funded an expedition to try and photograph this creature. However, the trip was unsuccessful. So the Orang Pindak is described as standing between two and a half and five feet tall. It is bipedal, has strong arms and chest, and has short hair. While there is yet to be any conclusive evidence of its existence, most people consider it to be less of a mystical, magical creature and more of a simple, perhaps rare ape. However, that being said, this would still be special, given that Homo sapiens are the only creature that really walk bipedally on a regular basis. The Soku Anak Dalam are a people who have lived in the forest of Sumatra for centuries. These people know when they are entering and leaving the territory of the Orang Pedak, and when they do, they typically leave some sort of offering to appease the creature. Also, local villagers have a lot of myths and legends behind this beast's existence, um, some believe that the creature's feet are put on backwards so that when it walks, no one can tell which direction it's going. So I mean, while this claim seems slightly far-fetched, there are a number of villagers with more realistic claims about its existence. Dutch settlers also explored Sumatra, and one described an encounter with the orange pindek. It stated, As the story goes, I discovered a dark and hairy creature on a branch. The Zadapa was also hairy on the front of its body. The color there was a little lighter than on the back. The very dark hair on its head fell to just below the shoulder blades or even almost to the waist. Had it been standing, its arms would have reached to little above its knees. They were therefore long, but its legs seemed to be rather short. I did not see its feet, but I did see some toes which were shaped in a very normal manner. There was nothing repulsive or ugly about its face nor was it at all ape-like. So I think this just kind of reiterates the fact that this, is, this isn't this is similar to the skunk ape or the yeti or the almes, which are kind of described as repulsive or terrifying creatures by some accounts, but this one's actually been described as somewhat elegant and attractive. Yeah. So despite many attempts, there has been no success with documenting or photographing any definitive evidence of this creature's existence. That being said, this creature would appear to be closer to the realm of fact than your average cryptid, given that, despite some of the more extreme stories about this creature, most accounts describe it as nothing more than an ape-like creature. So, I mean, could this be a primitive human being, or nothing more than a new species of bipedal orangutan? Many people believe that it could be the missing link, something that connects us with our ancient lineage. However, what then differentiates this creature from being man or beast? So it seems to be somewhat on the edge, you know, with its with its ability to walk on two legs. Um, perhaps we will never know. Yeah, I think the description given by the Dutch settler, you know, he says there's nothing ape-like about this creature at all, except for the fact that it was hairy and it was on a branch, yeah. which is definitely a peculiar place to find another human. Um, so I think this one's probably the most on the edge um, between being a human and an ape. So a lot of people consider the Orang Pendek to be a, a missing link, as you stated, Sean. Um, however, I, I just don't know. I mean, there's not enough evidence to actually support its existence, in my opinion. Right. 
So I think the fact that just that there are so many stories and that there is some physical evidence kind of separates these humanoid cryptids from some of the more outlandish or far-fetched cryptids that some people know of. I mean, I think it's definitely more likely that there is some rare humanoid, ape-like creature that is out there that we don't know about than some of these, you know, winged beasts and some other weird stuff. But once again, like, we keep coming up, there's just no physical proof of these things yet. Right. I mean, especially given all these alleged sightings, it, it seems strange to me that with all the publicity this sort of topic gets on the news, the Discovery Channel, stuff like that, you would think that by now somebody would have actually gotten a legitimate photograph or a legitimate film of yeah. one of these creatures or captured it or killed it or something like that. But unfortunately, all of the evidence we have pretty much revolves around questionable photographs, hairs that whose DNA doesn't trace back to any known creature and alleged sightings. So unfortunately we don't have very much else to go on. Right, especially when you think about these animals that are supposedly so big. Right. That I mean there's only so many places you can hide. And you would think that after all these years, there would at least be one body, one body part, just anything. So I mean that that's kind of the bottom line for me is when I really love researching these things. I kind of want to believe, but I mean, I guess just coming from a scientific, practical background, I just can't fully accept that any of these things actually exist. You know, regardless of all these stories being considered by many, um, like Sean, to be nothing more than fantasy, I think the main thing that supports the sightings of these humanoid creatures um, is the fact that they've occurred at so many numerous locations around the world and for such a, a long period back into our history. So this just kind of suggests to me that there is uh, enough support to believe in the existence of these mythical creatures. And that's my stance. All right. All right, so that wraps up the last of our humanoid cryptids for this episode. All right, before we get to our outro... Uh, we would like to state once again that we have recently joined the Dark Myths Collective of Podcast. So Dark Myths is a collection of high-quality shows that cover a wide range of topics. There are a few other podcasts similar to ours that deal with myths and legends, along with a number of excellent history-based programs and even a few creepy fictional shows. So if you are looking for a few other very good podcasts, please check out the whole list of shows over at darkmyths.org. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Strange Matters Podcast. If you have any suggestions of other cryptids you would like covered, or any other topic you would like for us to discuss, please send your ideas to us at strangematterspodcast at gmail.com. You can comment, listen, or download our episodes at our website, strangematterspodcast.com. And if you would like to follow us on social media, we have a Facebook page and Twitter. Also, if you happen to be listening on iTunes and enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and a review. It means a lot to us. And finally, if you have a few minutes to spare and would like to give us feedback, we have a listener survey going on, and you can find links on this episode's post on our website or through our social media. Also, we are looking for any personal paranormal or creepy stories that any of you listeners have. We are trying to put together an episode, uh, a collection of personal stories that people have that Anything that's weird, creepy, or unexplained. So if you have happened to have something that 
you encountered or happened to you and would like us to share it on our show, please send in your story to our email or get in touch with us on our social media. So with that said, and until the next time at the Strange Matters podcast, take it easy, everyone. Take it easy.